Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked and it's my pleasure to introduce Sean McGuigan. Hello, Sean. Hello. Hello there. Now, this is a hastily arranged podcast. I, I, I was meant to be doing two this evening, one with Mr. Craig Fowler and then one with yourself and Craig Fowler where we looked back at a fucking grim horror movie. But we were essentially left crumpled in a heap uh, as if hit by a scooter when Mr. Fowler had to had to pull out due to being under the weather. <laughs> I, uh, I I did I did wonder when I left him last night if he if he would have been under the weather uh, today. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't entirely surprised. You have to say fair play to him for uh, for someone who started drinking around around half past six, quarter to seven, and had an Indian. <laughs> and was still hungover. You've, you've, you've got you've, you, you, that. You've got to say that is very, very impressive. Because when when I've been drinking and then I have an Indian, there's 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 very it's very hard to come back from that. But but if if, if you're familiar with Fowler, then you know that having you can have a hangover in any any scenario, any given scenario that involves alcohol. I've never known anybody to have to have such poor hangovers. Yes, that is that. That's true. Uh, yeah, you have to wonder uh, why he had a shot at just a bag of seven. But <laughs> he was. He, he was. Do you also know it was the? Uh, it was. I suppose it was the last record of the season. So uh, I suppose we were celebrating to a degree. Oh yes, and he had every right to every right to enjoy himself. Um, and it was good. It was a, it was a nice meal. Uh, I, I. It was. It was a nice meal. I, I didn't. I didn't wake up with a hangover. Thankfully. You know, I'm saying celebrating the fact it was the last record, and as much as like I only work four days a week, so 
I can literally go to a day off in the middle of the week now that we're, we're not filming anymore, but as much as I'm saying celebrate, after like about three or four weeks, I kind of miss it. So, no, really celebrate. Aye, it's more uh, um, a nod a, a nod to uh, a nod to finishing. So we are going to chat. So, so yeah, instead of chatting uh, top twelve centre backs in the Scottish Premiership with uh, Craig Fowler, and instead of chatting about the aforementioned god horror, god awful horror movie, we are going to chat Scotland. Did, uh, well- I uh, I like that horror film. I, I appreciate there is another podcast and 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 the pipelines for that, but uh, I, I wouldn't hear you. I wouldn't hear you say a bad word about that film. I uh, I when Fowler texted me this, this afternoon and said that we're not doing it, I was cock a hoop because it means I didn't have to suffer it because I've, I've, I've watched. I think I've watched about forty minutes of it, so there's another hour to go, and I've not built myself up to watch the rest of it. Well, so you've not even seen it all. Not seen it all. No. <laughs> Got to the bit where her sister's finger gets cut off. Oh yes, uh, and, uh, and, uh, yes. So the fingers, the, the fingers just been cut off, and I have a feeling I know what's about to happen. So that's why I, I, I paused it there, and I hadn't I hadn't gone back to it. And the, the thing is, it's only available on YouTube, so you're going to have to pay another two pound fifty for the last hour, aren't you? Yes, uh, and the, the way I'm going with this movie, that I, I, I imagine I'll, I'll pay another two fifty, not finish it over forty hours, and I have to pay another two forty <laughs> for uh, two forty nine to watch the final fifteen twenty minutes. Oh, uh, seven pound fifty, well <laughs> So we're, we're going to chat Scotland. Uh, the fixtures got released today. For the world, so the fixture dates got uh, announced today for the World Cup playoffs. We're going to chat the championship relegation battle, and we're also going to chat Falkirk. They've been up to some nonsense today as well. So we'll start with Scotland. <laughs> the reason, like the reason, as I said, the reason we're talking Scotland is because if you haven't seen the dates for the World Cup playoffs and a rearranged Nation League fixtures have been confirmed, we will play Ukraine on Wednesday, June first. If we beat them, then we head to Cardiff to take on Gareth Bale on Sunday, June the 5th. Then it's a run of three Nations League games. I think it goes Armenia, Ireland, Armenia between the 8th and 21st of June. Uh, And then we've got another three fixtures in in September. So it's a difficult one because we're still 48 days out from the Ukraine game. How are you feeling about it now that we have a, a definite date for it? Uh, I, see, I actually, I didn't realise, I'd, I'd initially saw the dates for the Ukraine and potentially the Wales game. I actually hadn't realised that the Nations League games were, were so close were so close behind. I mean, I've never, I appreciate obviously there's, there's reasons for it. I've, I've, I've never seen a, I don't know, how, how would you even describe this? Is this, is this a, a, quint, a quintuple header? Would that be right? Uh, yeah, it will be. A quintuple header. I, I, header. I, I think it's a difficult, a, a, a really, really tough schedule, but I, I appreciate the Nations League games are very much second priority. Mm. I, I I think Ukraine and then potentially Wales, if we can get past Ukraine, are, will be very difficult for, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like the Ukraine game will have... There'll be emotional reasons uh, behind the Ukraine game. I'd like the, the build-up will be difficult. I think even things like the the, the national anthem will, like could be quite an emotional uh, experience. But that'll be more uh, emotional reasons. That'll be a tough game, and the fact that Ukraine are, are, are a pretty good team, of course. If we can get past them, uh, I do think we will. The Welsh game becomes difficult for 
differing reasons. The fact that the, they've got home advantage, the fact that they'll have the full crowd behind them, and also the fact that, I, I, I don't know, I, I would definitely fancy us to beat Wales at home, less so away. But another thing is the fact that we seem to be accumulating injuries at an alarming rate at this moment in time, and, and specifically one player that I, I think we can't really afford to be without. Yeah, so you, you're talking about Kieran Tierney there. He has undergone knee surgery and it's went well. He's gone well, sorry. Um, but he is touching go. So I think essentially he is ruled out for the ruled out for the whole season. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was a case of, with it being touch and go, that he might be on the bench for the Ukraine game and then almost hoping we get there and use the against Wales and... Which would be, looking back, and that's strange. If he's on the bench for the yeah, Ukraine game, if he's, it surely means he's fit enough to play some part. So you just you just end up end up starting him. Uh, obviously, Nathan. Pat- See, I, I I must admit I haven't read loads about Tierney's injury, so so you'll probably know more than me. But from the the kind of headlines of the articles that I've seen, like the, the suggestion would be that he would be out for months. And bear in mind, the game will be the games will be the start of June, and we're now midway through April. I honestly don't think he'll have any chance of being back unless unless the the, the surgery has went has went very well and perhaps the damage wasn't quite as severe as they thought once they got in there, but I'd I just presumed he was out. I think uh I, I don't know if it's maybe just people being very, very optimistic. because um, he was I think there was there was there was a headline uh in I think it was the, the Daily Mail just basically sent he had issued a issued a positive injury and like I said the, the fact that he's definitely ruled out for the rest of the Premier League season it's 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 quite definitive and it's I'm just saying I'm just just, just reading it now yeah, he's, he's expected to miss the remainder of the Premier League season which uh <sighs> When he said expected, which suggests there's the the little chance that he could be back, but the tyranny you get coming back is not going to be. He's clearly not going to be fully fit, so it'd be very much uh, the chance that Ukraine game would be his first game in what two, uh, nearly three months, which isn't isn't ideal. But do you, if even if he's, I don't know. 70 percent fit. Do you, do you do you risk it and just play him? Is that uh, is he that that important? <laughs> I I think he's I I think he's vital. Like I, I'm like I know I, I know we kind of touched on this during filming yesterday. I I, I think Fowler's probably a wee bit more pessimistic than I am on our chances. But I'm certainly not as positive about our chances as as you are. But I I, I think you saw the. Not having them in the team, you saw the difference that made in the in the Euros when we played the Czechs. As soon as the team was announced and he wasn't on it, I, I had a real sense of foreboding. But I thought, you know, someone still might have enough about us. And you know, someone maybe if Hamden had been full, yeah, maybe if there had been fifty thousand there, that would have made a, a, a massive difference. But in in terms of how we performed on the day, I, I thought we were poor, and I, I I thought a massive reason for that was the fact that we didn't have Tierney. He he. Is is irreplaceable? I, I I think in the team, yep. I, I don't think anybody else can allow us to kind of cut through the lines uh, that, that he allows us to do. He's very much the the kind of football playing centre half that the system probably needs. And I so even if he's seventy percent fit, I would put him in. You look at that Czech Republic game, and 
the good thing is is that Craig Gordon is not, not going to be 40 yards off his line at any point in that game <laughs> you wonder how much of a mental <clears throat> mental impact it had on the rest of the team when Tierney wasn't in, when Tierney wasn't on the was it in the starting 11 almost if he's like oh, oh we're, we're missing and, and like almost like this self-consciously the players know like, oh we're missing missing probably our biggest player we, they, they'll know how, how important it is I just think that I, I just, like we, we, I'm not sure how much of this will get kept on the TV show, but I just think we're a, we're in a better space now as a as a team. Maybe not, still not as still not as uh, um, having a light for like replacement. I do think I do think there's a light for like replacement there in Stephen Kingsley. And again, it's my heart's bias coming through, but my concern is that Steve Clark never brought him in to the the. The, the recent doubleheader friendly because you thought that would be an ideal opportunity to kind of, especially the second game rest Tierney and give someone a go in that position where we we don't have an instant fallback in the squad, uh, so he brought Craig Halcott along, Craig Halcott didn't play Stephen Kingsley's been a better player and can play that position um, as I mean he's a very uh, he's, he's nowhere near the, the the standard of Kieran Tierney so you're still losing uh, still losing absolutely loads but overall as a collective I think we're be- in a better shape now than we were against the Czech Republic so, so are you saying are, are you saying you expect them to start to, to call up Kingsley and him be the Tierney replacement or are you just saying that that's what he should do oh that's what he should do I, I just my my fear is that because he didn't call him up for that Poland Austria doubleheader, that he's not really in his in his thoughts. I, I don't think he is. I, was I, interested I don't think he, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree in terms of it might be a it might be a decent option, but the fact he's not even been in the in the squad, I mean that's I I, I cannot see that happening at all. Yeah, Nielsen mentioned an interesting thing actually after the derby when he was you get he gets asked about the. How how Kit Kingsley and Mackay all the time about Scotland's recognition, but he said Steve Clark's going to go with a bigger squad be, uh, going into these qualifiers. Um, I don't know if there's a, a I, limit. I think somebody asked that question online today. If there is a limit, and I'll be honest, I, I I didn't know. And then I don't know is it, is there going to be? Will he call up a squad for the World? Qualifiers and then be able to change, change that squad yeah. for the Nations League. I, I don't really know how it works, but but I you would expect if if Kingsley is in in the reckoning, I would imagine he would maybe come in for the Nations League games rather than the World Cup games. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure. But aside from Kingsley, who who plays in that position? Who do I think the who do I think the back three would be if, if yeah. Tierney isn't available? It would probably be Hanley. McTominay. McTominay and uh, Jack Henry yeah. Lee Cooper nah I think I think the first three that I've mentioned there yeah probably uh, it's McKenna could come in McKenna yeah McKenna's had a brilliant season at Forest maybe he would come in but literally we're, we're, na- we're naming names where the probably isn't there maybe isn't that much of a difference between them yeah. quality-wise in terms of the job that they could do, but none of them can do anything even remotely getting near what uh, Tierney does for us. And that's, ultimately, that's a concern because it's not just, like, a team could lose a centre-half and they can bring in a centre-half that might not be quite as good, mm. but still technically do the same things, whereas we're we are literally needing somebody who is 
a unique centre half. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> like we mentioned the phrase earlier, there's just not a like for like replacement because you still play the same formation, but you just essentially you're going to have to play it differently. It's just going to be. Th- play, th- play it worse. Yeah, just three, three centre backs, and it's just. It, it, it just has a knock-on effect to the dynamic of the the rest of the side, both for the mid- midfield, the relationship with Robertson, uh, relationship with McGinn coming across there, or the 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 front two. So, yeah, that that, that as as you say though, like in terms of Scotland being a better proposition now mm. than what they were during the Euros and especially in that first game uh, against the Czechs, we also didn't have uh, Billy Gilmer against the Czechs. So I do agree uh, that that we are a better team and will. Even if we don't have Tierney, and I suspect we won't, I still think we'll be able to give Ukraine a pretty good game, and I would still kind of fancy us to come out on top. Even guys like Chi Adam seems to be in far better form now, uh, both for us and Southampton. So, I I, I think we could complete step one. I, I I am I am concerned about step two, and then it's not just Tierney. I, I don't know how big a doubt Nathan Patterson will be as well. Uh, I saw. I actually hadn't realised he'd he'd had an operation as well. I, I saw the tweet, and I had I had I hadn't seen the full picture. I'd just kind of seen like the top half of the picture. <laughs> Said his surgery. I, thought, I can't remember what was what was in the tweet. Something about surgery going well. And he's got his thumb up. He's sitting in his hospital bed. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. And then I I, I clicked on the picture and saw all of it. And he had the biggest stookie in the world on his leg. And I was like, ah. Ah, you're not in, you're not in a great <laughs> shape at the moment either. <laughs> which is which is. Uh weird because it was I think it was called minor ankle surgery so imagine what the Stookie would have been like with major ankle surgery <laughs> just just his whole body <laughs> however at least we have uh, at least we have uh, Stephen O'Donnell that can step in a, a player who I don't think is very good but just seems to be absolutely fine for us yeah I, I, I agree with that uh, you've got Obviously, Aaron Hickey would come into the conversation, but just you looking at it, you, you talked about the step step one. I'm actually I'm I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned about the Ukraine game, just for one can, one reason is that you can you can argue that our time was last month when everyone was fit. We were we we're in a good space, but I look at it like the men- mentality aspect. So everything that surrounds you talked about it earlier on. Everything that surrounds the Ukraine the Ukraine game, uh, there'll be so much focus on. Uh, that that emotional side, but if you get if we get through that, then Wales are Wales are essentially going to be sitting there waiting for the winners to come through um, Scotland Ukraine. But winning against Ukraine and that kind of feeling of euphoria and like the bounce you'd get from that going into into the Wales game, I, I think could 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 be absolutely massive. While well, they've kind of just they've kind of just been waiting, whereas at least Scotland have got a wee bit of momentum going into going into the game in Cardiff. Aye, aye, that's true. You know, something I, I hadn't really thought of that because uh, you're right. We'd, we'd literally be taking that momentum and then and then playing again four days later, which is something I hadn't really considered. I, I, but I, you know, I, I did watch the the Wales Austria game and like Bale was Bale was extraordinary. And you you think and I, I agree that I think if you go through the rest of the team, I, I think squad wise, starting eleven wise, we're probably better. But like Bale on his day is. It's just an incredible player, and and how do you stop that? And like, can we can can we prevent him scoring one or two? Because then un- suddenly we've got to score two or three. And as much as I've seen us 
defeat good teams at Hamden. Winning away from home, I know we, I know we won in Austria, but I, I, I do, I, I do wonder about our ability to wear to, to win away from home when that like the Welsh crowd are, are pretty good as well. And I, I know that twelfth man is such a cliche, but like their crowd will lift them as much as as much as ours with at Hamden. So no, the Wales game is the the Wales game is a concern for me. I forget there. Would just just find on that that potential of a Wales game. Do you even think that see if you're missing Tierney and you're playing three? straightforward set of backs it'd probably allow you to just say Scott McTominay just man mark him because I think McTominay has that in his locker do you think? I think so yeah he's a uh, like physically physically he could he could stand up to him for, for, for 90 minutes I, I think Gareth Bale could make him look very silly he's do a better man marking job than Charlie Adam that's that's that, 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 that's for sure <laughs> Remember, used to remember uh, Gareth Bale. Uh, Charlie Adam just used to injure Gareth Bale before Scotland games. Well, maybe there's a role for Charlie Adam in this bigger Scotland squad. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think Grant Hanley would handle it uh, with ease. That's who. Uh, that's who my money would be on. So Ukraine are line up friendly. I think red today against France and Macedon- North Macedonia. Uh, Dynamo Kiev and Shakhtar Donetsk they've been playing friendly so it's clear that they've they, they are their focus is now on, on 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 well part of their focus is now on getting ready for this game so they won't be going in, in cold and there's been I think there's been a lot of nonsense written about about this game and kind of allowing the, the, the thought of allowing Ukraine to move forward and progress and uh, there's like this I think refer, seeing Scotland refer today as the baddies how do you view that that element of um, Scotland being the so-called baddies going in this uh, which I think is a nonsense there's been quite a lot of strange takes in terms of we should just let Ukraine in or we should just allow Ukraine to qualify for the next World Cup in 2026 just allow them to go straight through or uh, was it was it Derek Ray that said absolutely fine to play the game but if we score we shouldn't celebrate we shouldn't celebrate if we score a goal there was like I, there was, there was, I don't know if it was him that said or certainly, certainly someone replied to, or someone replied to him about not celebrating right like like you're allowed to condemn Russia and, and Putin's actions and you're allowed to send prayers and hopes to to the Ukrainian nation and still want Scotland to beat them at football? Like, you don't... Like, just because you're... Just because there's a war on and, and Russia's invaded doesn't mean to say you have to also hope that, that they beat Scotland or let, or let Scotland go easy on them or... Like, like I, I want Scotland to win, but also... Also, uh, totally condemn what Russia's doing. You're allowed to want Scotland to win. So, like... I will be celebrating if Scotland score and I will be celebrating if Scotland wins and I, I, I don't know if that makes me a bad person. I, I don't think so. I, I just find it a strange take that we're not allowed. Some people think that we should change how we behave around this game because there's a war on. I mean, it's, it's very much, it's very, very hard for me to put myself in a Ukrainian player's uh, uh, shoes position, but you'd always find it patronising if, uh, if, if teams were like, not taking easy, but but like not celebrating, and kind of almost kind of feeling kind of feeling sorry for you, uh, in in a sporting environment. Um, so yeah, it's a strange one. But you again, you you mentioned at the top of the top of the show, the the, the Ukraine national anthem is going to be is, is going to be something else. Um, at at, ha- at Hamden Park, um, on that on, on that Wednesday, 
uh, before before we move on to the championship relegation belt, we does <laughs> reaching the does importance of the, the nations leagues diminish like reaching the World Cup then having those three games in quick succession I mean we really should looking ahead we really should qualify for the European Championships through our group but uh, it would be kind of be good to go and do well in Nations League not just to have that safety net if possible but it gives us a chance to actually move into what's essentially Group A and potentially have a couple of big games in the next Nations Leagues Nations League I mean I mean, I, I think the Nations League is is really important. Mm. Certainly, its importance in this context has diminished, as you say, because the because the World Cup playoffs. But I, I haven't read it properly, so I could be wrong here. But I think if we were to win this group, then we would probably be the second seed for the next for the next qualifying campaign, and we would be guaranteed a playoff for the Euros, no matter what happens in the group. Yep, I think. That sounds about right. Uh, so I, as as much as as much as I know it, some people I think some people still think it's kind of glamorised friendlies. It would be good to to to, to win this group. I, I just think the the start to the campaign we're going to have, the fact that it's five games in quick succession. Uh, I, I know two of the games are against Armenia, but the fact that it ends on I don't know a five thousand mile round trip, mm-hmm. like the, the the squad's going to be the squad's going to be running on fumes and. and I think after, so let's say we let's even say we qualify for the World Cup. Let's say we beat Wales. I think regardless of how those qualifiers go, there'll be a feeling of kind of after the Lord Mayor's show yep. after it, and like to win this group would probably need to take six points off of Armenia. You would probably need to be taking maybe four points off a of Ireland, uh, and I think we're away to, to Ireland in the second game as yep. well. So I, that that's a tough schedule. So I. As much as I, I, it would be great to do something in this Nations League group, I, I do wonder if, I do wonder if the schedule is might prevent us from doing so. Right, moving to the the Championship relegation battle. So if uh, if anyone listen if anyone listen to this show before watches a view from the terrace tomorrow, and like, oh, I'm sure these guys have spoken about this already. It's because. <laughs> As I mentioned, it's a hastily arranged podcast, so we we reached we reached into um, stuff we prepped already and gone in more in greater depth. So, Sean, Queen of the South. So we'll just we'll we'll look at the, the three contenders that you've outlined because, and then we'll leave Duff, we'll go Queen of the South first because Dunfermline are playing a massive match on Saturday. Queen of the South six adrift. They've got <clears> the game in hand, but they are heading to League One? Aye. Uh, it's not often that my uh, kind of long-term predi- or short-term predictions <laughs> are particularly accurate. But at the start of the season, I, I, I thought the teams that we'd have struggled with have been, looking at the squads, I thought Air United, I thought Hamilton, I thought Morton. But I, I, I did think that Queen of South would be, would probably end up the, the kind of run to the litter. Mm. I thought the, just based on what they've done over the last kind of three or four seasons they've, they've, they've flirted with relegation now for for a long time now I, to be fair I didn't go back and check but off the top of my head they stayed up by beating Wraith Rovers in the playoffs that must have been four, four, three seasons ago so yeah so they stayed up by beating Wraith Rovers in the playoffs then they when the season was cut short for the pandemic they were I mean they would have been in the playoffs that season uh, but there wasn't any playoffs Last season, they were essentially saved by 
that kind of weird middle third of the season. So like they were they were dreadful at the start of the campaign, exceptional in the middle of the campaign, and then absolutely woeful again at, at the tail end of the season. I mean, I, I think they beat Hearts. Did they beat Hearts three two at Tynecastle or four two at Tynecastle? Uh, it was three two. It was it was three two last season. Connor Shields, I think, scored a double, and Andy Irving scored a ludicrous own goal. Yeah, they've 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 barely won a game since, <laughs> and that was a long, long time ago. But the, the, the fact that they've continually flirted with relegation, and and quite often they they totally restructure their squad every single season. They they give out so many one year deals. They bring in so many players that you've never heard of before. A, a lot of them for down south, and, and sometimes they work out, but but quite often they don't. And they continually do the same thing, which doesn't really work. And they've generally got by each season with the fact that they had, so the fact they had Lyndon Dykes, the fact they had Dobie, and then last season it was Connor Shields, as you mentioned. Obalai uh, was pretty good for them, pretty good for them last season. So as much as they've always been there or thereabouts in terms of relegation. Equally, it feels like they are actually deteriorating in terms of quality each and every season as well. And as much as I didn't really fancy them at the start of the campaign, I, th- I thought, right, well, there's still a number of faces in there that I don't really recognise. So maybe there is some quality in there that I'm not aware of. But that ultimately, there hasn't been. I don't think that I don't think the worst team in the world. I, I think there's been far poorer teams that have finished bottom of the championship in, in recent seasons. Like I, I thought, I thought last season's Alloa team got inexplicably praised I, I thought they were terrible played decent football but just just got humped yeah, pretty much every week them, yeah. uh, I, 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 I thought they were pretty poor this team like you saw against Patrick Thistle last Friday they, they were fine they were arguably the better team they created chances but they, they, they don't have enough quality up front and then they just make mistakes at the back in terms of strikers I, I can't make up my mind about Ennis Cameron like you've seen him go out and loan and, and actually really impressed but he didn't do much with Kilmarnock at the start of the season Hasn't really done much for, for Queen of South uh, in this loan spell either. Uh, Ali Roy, like when you see them bringing in guys like Ali Roy, that, that's where you start to panic about. Ali Roy will always have a fairly good League Cup group section against some diddies and then no score any league goals after you've got excited about him in July. And as much as I like, uh, as much as I like Lee Connolly, he hasn't really looked the same since he came back for injury. So, so certainly up front, they haven't really had enough all season. And then Alan Johnson... <laughs> He seemed to change his, his system every week. He seems to change his formation every week. He had players playing in strange positions. Like like you think back to last season and how pleasantly surprised most people were about how good Willie Gibson was at right back. He was he was the best... I thought he was one of the best players in the league last year. And yet he's barely played at right back this season. He's, he's played in the middle of the park. He's played further forward. He's I think he's played about five or six different positions. If you've got one of the best right backs in the league, just play him at right back and and find players that can do those other roles. Don't move Willie Gibson about every single week because it's to the, his detriment and ultimately the team's detriment. I, I think I think they were too slow to get rid of Johnson. You, you saw the other teams; they kind of played their joker cards earlier. So, and to a degree, they've all like they've all worked. Like Terfelman's brought in John Hughes. That was always going to. They were always going to pick up after Peter Grant left because Peter Grant is is not a good manager, frankly. Uh, Hamilton have got better since Taylor came in. Morton have got better since Dougie Emery came in. Uh, but Queen of South left it too late, ultimately. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if there was money to play with in the January transfer window. And as much as they picked up slightly when Gibson came in, I, th- I think they won their first two. They've now lost five in a row. And I 
as bad as they were under Johnson, I don't think I don't think they lost five games in a row under him. So there hasn't really been an upturn in fortunes. And ah, they've got a game in hand, but the fact they've barely won any games this season, it like you, they probably need to win at least three of those four games they've got left, and I, I cannot see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> talked about at the, the, the start there that just going back to mind them in the twenty the fourteen fifteen championship season I was really impressed with them they had a really good squad they finished fourth that season and then you had the likes of I think you had the the, the likes of uh, is it Kevin Holt uh, did did really well he got uh, Kevin Holt got snapped up Xander Clark was Xander Clark was in goals Mark Dernan had had impressed um, Chink, uh, Carmichael as well. He went on to mm-hmm. uh, went on to sign for uh, went on to sign for Hibs as well. Um, Gavin Riley uh, played really well, and they they were a really good a good good side. But it was since then it's just been a regression. Been seven six six ninth ninth six, and now they're they're sitting tenth. No top five, no top five finish, and you talked about them like circling the drain, and that's what they have been. They've been like that. Being those kind of machines you get when you used to drop the drop the coin in, and it would just uh, it would just go round and round and round, uh, round and round. As a kid, it was just just really fun to watch. What? What a machine that you would so put a it's, coin it's in, not and a then machine, it would go so round and round and round. It's, it's like a it's like a charity box. You'd pop it. Oh yes. You'd pop a pop uh-huh. a coin in, and it would just it would spin around and it eventually drop. <laughs> that coin has been queen of the south. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it hasn't been a fun watch. <laughs> I mean, it must be difficult for them. It kind of, I mean, I don't know what their budget is, but it feels like they must be playing with a reasonably small budget for a full-time team. So once you... So so in terms of wages alone, I'm, I'm guessing Queen of South won't be an attractive option to a, a full-time footballer. Unless you're when Stephen you also add in, Unless you're Stephen Dobie. <laughs> once you also add in... Like the geography as well, yeah. like I suppose. So if, if you're having to do a, a fair bit of travelling for games, maybe no training. I, I don't know if I maybe train uh, more in the central belt. I'm not sure. Once you add the element of travelling, in, that becomes quite unappealing as well. So, aye, it, it's maybe a tough sell as well to, to attract players to, to to Queen of South. So, I, I suppose the board maybe has two big decisions coming up. Whether do they, if they do go down, I presume they will. Do they continue to go full time? And that seems to be the the rumours that they will stay full time. Uh, whether that's the way to go, whether they could perhaps could be more appealing to players if they were hybrid and started playing part timers. Maybe I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly if you look at Falkirk, for example, that like it almost feels like Falkirk have have attempted to get out of that division just by being full time. Like that that that'll be enough. Well, full time, so that should be enough. And ultimately. It, as as Wraith as as it proved at Wraith as it's proven at Falkirk, actually it isn't just enough. There needs to be more to it than that. So so maybe going part time or hybrid would 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 be the the best thing for them. And then second would be, do they keep with Willie Gibson? Have they seen enough from him to to be their permanent manager next season, or do they do they go for somebody else? Uh, but it's a difficult league next season. I was going to so say there's, 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 a, there's a genuine fear that they could uh, they could drop into League One. And stay there for a while, because you you're going to, have to say the League One next season could feature, uh, so it'll be feature uh, Kelty, 
uh, could feature Queen's Park, it'll feature Falkirk, it could feature um, potentially Dunfermline, Montrose, oh, yeah. Airdrie, Airdrionians. So it's going to be it's going to be a difficult difficult def- uh, division. But you're looking looking at it that they don't res- res- uh, rebound quickly. Then it could be one of those where they're kind of chasing their tail and they'll struggle to get next season. And then there'll still be a couple of teams you'd imagine who would be looking up through like Kelty, Queens Park, and uh, Falkirk. I would imagine would have ambitions as well as likes of uh, Air Dragons if they don't make it to get back and in, get into the championship. So then you get into the second season if they fail that. Then it's like the third season. It could just I could just start a malaise. Oh, I very much so. I mean, there's there's chat now about. Well, the Falkirk are going to continue to be full-time for the foreseeable. Uh, I, I presume they will be next season. If they don't get out of League One next season, I can see them maybe becoming a, a, a hybrid team. And, yep. and bear in mind, they have far, far, far higher attendances than somebody like Queen of South. So it, it wouldn't take a, a hell of a lot more regression for Queen of South just to be a kind of mid-table League One team. And I, I know I know it's ridiculous to try and think about what will happen next season. We, we didn't even know like the makeups of the division. But of the teams that you've mentioned... I'd probably have Queen of South as like maybe fourth or fifth favourites for that division next season. It, it will be very tough for them, and, and they've they've got a lot of important decisions. I, I know we've we've mentioned it before, but clubs are only ever four, five, six poor decisions away, uh, poor boardroom decisions away from from being in a, a, a real difficult spot. And Queen of South, I, I, it must be a really bleak time to be a, a, a Queens uh, fan. I, I know they rebounded the last time under Alan Johnson and, and they had as you said they, they had a really good young team I, I don't see them putting together I don't see them assembling anything even remotely uh, similar to that next time around so we'll move on to 9 versus 8 I think it was it's, uh, it's at East End or yeah yes 9 versus 8 so this is a genuine 6 pointer because you have got Dunfermline on 32 points with a goal difference of minus 16 and Air United on 35 points with a goal difference of minus 14. It is all the makings of a, a cracking game in both uh, entertainment and uh, real real shitness as well. What... I'm trying to just kind of separate them. First of all, are you surprised that Dunfermline are still ninth? Uh, I like, I still think they've got I still think they've got like a all the squads down there they've got one of the better ones but uh, they've got they've got better uh, they've got better under Hughes but what they've done what they have done differently what Hughes has done differently than he did at Wraith like he never January had already been in gone when he came in at Starts Park so he still had essentially the same squad that Gary Lockhart but what I would say is he, he didn't make them even remotely better. Like they were pretty much, if anything, they were incrementally worse. Certainly didn't have, uh, certainly didn't get anything extra out of them that, that Gary Locke did. At the family has brought in a number, a number of his own players. I don't think he was getting too much out of the guys that he originally had there. But I think some of his signings that, he, that he's made have, have been pretty good. I think, uh, I think Cole Donaldson has been exceptional. Like he's, you think of how many centre halves the Fairness had this season, and, and goalkeepers, <laughs> like they must have had about fifteen, and almost all of them have, almost all of them have been tripe, but the goalkeeper that he has now, Stolarchik, uh, yes, I think that's how you pronounce it. He, I mean, he is good. Uh, I, I know he, he had now. What was the game recently where he had he had a bit of a stinker? 
was it a goal against Morton that it kind of trundled in? Uh, I'm sure it was a Friday night game, perhaps. And I was like, oh, I'm not entirely sure if this keeper's up to much either. Uh, but no, he. I mean, against Kilmarnock, he was he, he was excellent. I mean, he had six or seven very, very good saves. And if it hadn't been for him, then I mean, Dunfermline could have been it could have been a right good hammer on Saturday. So his, his signings have certainly improved the the squad. But I still thought I still thought they would have had more points than this. Like you, you've, you've always just expected them to to start putting a run together. But it was only it was only really those two games. Actually, that's I think they played quite well against Morton. And only managed a draw, I think, equalised late on. But I thought they were good that night. I thought they were very good against Partick Thistle. They were absolutely fine against us. Uh, Wraith were absolutely rotten. They, they didn't have to do too much to beat us, but they were they were fine. And you thought, right, that this surely now they, they kind of kick on for here. Again, though, they kind of took a step back. At, like They were really poor against Kilmarnock. However, I, I am more... I've got more faith in John Hughes getting the three points on Saturday than I am Lee Bullen. Like, I think John Hughes will set up his team to go for it. The fact that they seem to be playing quite well at home, uh, I, 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 I I expect them to win this and I expect them to, to end up finishing eighth, which will still be a terrible season, but at least it gives them something to build on uh, next time around. It's, it's, it's interesting because they're firmly their top goal so one of the One of the key uh, issues has been goals. Kevin Harris, I think top goal scorer with five, and I covered what did I what game did I? It was Dunfermline against Hamilton. I'm sure it was in January. I covered. Hughes was speaking afterwards, so I think it was Lewis McCann started up front. Uh, I don't think he fan really fancied Todder off. Um, they brought in Bobby Camwa from Leeds United. I think he got. I believe he got injured. Um, yep. or he's, he's certainly not contributed the way he wanted and it was clear that he, he, he wanted to add add to, to his attack and you're just you're just looking across at Air United if Dunfermline had Adeloy then they would probably be a more complete team because weirdly uh, Air United as you have, you have you have said that they don't Lee Bullen doesn't really play his best eleven. Aye, I, I, I find it strange. Uh, the, the only other thing I'd, I would say about Hughes, and it, it's, it feels like he's maybe starting to get right now, is he went through a weird phase of... Again, it felt like he wasn't really playing his best players. Like, I kind of felt if he just started with Lawless and uh, Dom Thomas out wide, then that's probably going to cause most teams bother at this level. But he, he would play Lawless inside, or he, would, he wouldn't start Dom, Dom Thomas, or Dom Thomas wouldn't they, wouldn't they get off the bench for games. He, he seemed to have his favourites at... I didn't really rate McCann up top, but he he seemed to, and this only seems to be now that he's starting to figure this out. Why it took him so long, I'm not entirely sure. So ultimately, that's kind of cost him family, and that's kept him down there uh, as well. In terms of air, I, I find them puzzling. I, like at various points this season, and so I think Adeloy is one of the best forwards in the championship. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily consistent, but I think on his day, he's very good, and I think I think he was. And I think he's probably having a similar type of season to somebody like Zach Rudden. And I'm not saying he can necessarily get a move to Premiership, but on his day, aye, he can, he can. Like Zach Rudden on his day in the Championship could be unplayable. So can Adeloy. But at various points of season, Air United, I'm not saying all, but a big chunky Air United fans didn't seem to particularly rate him. The I might have mentioned it on the podcast before, but the Air United media team, I've, I've never heard anything like it. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd bought the stream on Boxing Day. 
And I've I've never heard an in-house media team criticise one of their own players uh, in that fashion. And and it was so like, under no circumstances was it warranted. They'll talk about how lazy he was, how he just didn't contribute. He scored that day, he absolutely ragdolled the the, the Wraith Rose defence, and he was arguably the best player on the park. And yet there was this constant criticism about how he doesn't try hard enough for the commentators. It was very, very strange. But then that narrative seemed to permeate amongst the fans as well. Uh, and now we have a situation where, to be fair, he might not be 100% match fit, but he seems to just be coming off the bench uh, if or, or when Air United go a goal or two behind. And, and you just feel like, why not start your best players right for the start because it, it seems like quite a risky quite a risky venture to, to not play your better players start the game very poorly go a goal or two behind and then try and save the game from that position and I, I do wonder if because if, Bullen seems like a, naturally quite a, a pessimist as a or a safety first kind of mm. manager for, from what I've seen so far and I, I do wonder if he'll set them up quite negatively at East End Park and I think if he does I would expect Dunfermline would very much take advantage of that. If he, if he lets Adeloye loose, then suddenly Dunfermline will have something to think about. Uh, although I would still fan, I would fancy Cole Donaldson versus him to be a, a pretty good matchup, to be honest. But if he, if he doesn't play there, I, I just think Dunfermline would have far too much for them. So just quickly, whoever finishes ninth, I reckon you believe it's air, do you fancy air to be relegated? I do. I actually think even if the Fermi finished ninth, I think they might get relegated. Although I think they would, I think they would have a far better chance of staying up uh, than here. They just have. I, I think in terms of players that could damage opponents, the Fermi have the Fermi have more of them. But I do think that Airdrie side are pretty handy. I think Queens Park seem to be getting a wee bit. Can I get a wee bit better? They're, they're, they're maybe winning every now and again rather than drawing one all every week. And Montrose are. You know what Montrose are. Montrose are just like a really good League One team. Of of the three, of the three, I, I, I think they've got the least chance of of promotion. But aye, if they finish ninth, I, I would expect them to go down. Moving on to a team who has no chance of promotion and is actually closer to ninth place in League One is our old favourites Falkirk. They have. I was going to say parted company with Martin Rainey, but I think Martin Rainey had uh, the way that the. Uh, um, statement that Falkirk put out said that they confirmed that Martin Reddy has decided to run return to the United States at the end of the season. So he's not even by the sounds of things he's not even returning to the United States uh, now. He's like I can't be fucked with Falkirk, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll wait until the end of the season before returning to the United States. And uh, weirdly, so Kenny Miller is going to be in charge for the final three matches of the season and. Rennie just continues to support the board in planning for next season and beyond. Uh, well, the process of recruiting a new manager has already begun and we hope to be able to announce an appointment as soon as possible. I found that strange. I I, I thought that was strange. That My favourite part of the statement was where they thanked him for stabilising results. It, they, <laughs> didn't they get worse? I think they got worse. Yeah. They're like, they've got the worst form, they've got the worst form in, uh, in League One at the moment. They, but like, by, any, by any measure, Falkirk's performances and results, like everything about them under Rennie, has has got worse. So to to, to thank him for stabilising results was just, it was just a weird, like even if it said like thank him for his efforts, fine. To thank him for stabilising results, weird. And as to as to what his role is 
in terms of helping them to prepare for next season and, and find a replacement or I, I'm not sure I, I just wonder if it was a fancy way of saying he's on gardening leave yeah that, 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 that that's true I, I, went, I went back to I went back to their statement announcing him uh, when they when they appointed uh, appointed him as the new head coach uh, it said the board is particularly impressed by Martin's proven ability to rapidly improve his team's performances which has been a <laughs> consistent theme throughout his career <laughs> it just made me laugh <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, when it, when it was a point, I mean, obviously nobody knew what like how he was going to do yeah. because uh, nobody had really heard them. I, I think I think a lot of Falkirk fans are quite excited just because it wasn't a, like like you know when like anybody in the lower leagues uh, kind of gets rid of their manager, it's always the same names yeah. and it becomes really tiresome. So the fact that it was somebody out of the blue like was was pretty exciting. Because they, they tried, so they, they they'd obviously tried uh, managers who had done maybe done well well elsewhere, like Paul Hartley. Then they had uh, they also went another way and brought club legends in, and uh, well, club legends or favourites, fan favourites like Lee Miller and McCracken, and then went down with uh, went through Paul Sheeran who had a wee bit of success earlier on in his managerial career. So they had they had kind of went round the houses. They've tried everything. Sorry. <laughs> They've tried everything. <laughs> so they're literally with Martin Rennie. They have now tried everything. <laughs> but the, the, I, like, I thought, listen, it's it's a, it's a kind of left field appointment. Might work. I must admit, I, I didn't get a good vibe from him as soon as I heard like his, his early interviews. It, there was very much a, a kind of substitute teacher vibe about him, and I think ultimately he has just been he's just been out of his depth. And I, and I know how a manager is in front of a camera isn't necessarily how a manager is in the in the dressing room. Mm. But I I wasn't sure if he would if he would I wasn't sure if he would get the respect from the players that, that like they needed. Like I, I I would imagine that he's just a lovely lovely person. Uh, but I, I think he was I think he's been utterly out of his depth. Uh, and at, at this level of football, that like the fact he wouldn't have been. I think I know. I think he's a Falkirk fan. Yeah. Uh, from when he was uh, when he was younger, but he didn't. I doubt he has any knowledge of that league before he arrived. Uh, a, a, a few months back, and I, I think ultimately he's been he's been out of his depth. I, I think depending on what their budget is for a, a, a kind of manager's salary, I, th- I think there's a few people like I think there's a few decent managers out there that, that would be available uh, come the summer. But I had like they seem to be in the, they're in this position so often now where it's like right the the next appointment needs to be good, <laughs> and it, it never seems to be. Never seems to be. <laughs> it's. It's weird from a Falkirk because even at the weekend there, you're looking at Cove, the league leaders going there, and you think, oh, that's going to be tricky for Cove. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Cove on my, Cove on my coupon, but then at the same time, you're like, why? The, the Cove are a much, much better team, and Falkirk, and you don't, all, you, all you have to do is look at the, uh, watch highlights, just watching them against, watching them against Airdrie, their defending was comical. It was, it was an absolute, it was, it was a catastrophe. And then, you go to, you got the, their highlights against Peter Head, and it was it was just like a nothing. It was just a desperate, desperate performance. It's uh, yeah, it's it's needing of a complete overhaul. But how again? How many times have you said that, and how many times can it happen? I uh, I think the I think the next appointment should be Barry Ferguson. Just uh, bring him in, and then. Like two days after they've lost four 0 to Alloa, he'll be writing four thousand words about Alfredo Morelos in the Daily Record. <laughs> that's uh, that's the next route you need to go down. Yep. I, did, I I I I I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they appoint John McGlynn in the summer. Oh really? 
I, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that McGlynn, I, I think this will be, I think he's, I, it, it, like he's, so his contract's up. To, I, I don't think McGlynn will get, will get sacked, but his contract is up in the summer. I, I don't know if there's one on the table for him at this moment in time. That might change. Uh, if it doesn't, then then he'll be he'll be away. I, I think he'd be ideal for Falkirk. I, I genuinely do. The, like the fact that he he went in it, he arrived at starts about twice, where Rovers were in a, a kind of similar position, and both times he, he he got them out of division and had them Scottish Cup semi finals, flirting with promotion to 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 the top tier. I I think he'd be ideal. He would he would go into Falkirk and he would uh, improve them from top to bottom. I would I would like them to go and get Scott Gemmell. <laughs> the man with the world's strangest smile. <laughs> no smile. <laughs> that would say. Uh, why? Why would you like? Why would you like to, to get Scott? Gemmel? I don't know. I think I'd, I'd, I'd just be. I'm intrigued to see what Gemmel's like as a as a club manager, and it's got disaster written all, written all over it. I, I was just going to say. I, I, I suspect bad. <laughs> but yeah, McGlynn's McGlynn's a good shout. Experience of that. Experience of that uh, division. Um, just a, a, a sensible, safe pair of hands as well. Uh, which Tommy Wright would, would, would Tommy Wright be tempted to fall up? Yeah, that would you'd, be. Yeah, imagine that so. would that would that would be a really good again. Really, I thought Tim Kilmarnock getting him was going to be a really good appointment. But again, you've got he's got he's got a pre, he's actually someone who's got a, a presence about him. So. At the way Falkirk at the moment, probably probably an ambitious ambitious out. Uh, I was thinking it's like do whatever you can to get uh, Petrie from Montrose, but then forgot about his stunt family past. James McPeak. I, 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 I do. I think there's. I, I think depending on what they're depending on what they can spend salary yeah. wise, I, I think I think there will be decent options. But but whether they whether they choose one of those decent options <laughs> is uh, is debatable. Lee Griffiths, player manager. <laughs> Right, we will wrap it up there. Thank you very much, Sean, for your time this evening. No worries, thank you. And I would like to say thank you to our listeners just to make you aware that the final episode of the run of A View from the Terrace is on BBC Scotland on Friday evening at 10.30pm. It repeats again on BBC Scotland uh, later on, not sure what the exact time is, or it's on iPlayer, whatever floats your boat. And there's also a live show, a View from the Terrace yes, live is. show on, I think it's Friday the 20th of April, not Sunday, <laughs> April, uh, sorry, sorry, Friday the 20th of May, not Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's no easy, it's no easy getting the show, as, so. as, you, as you've just proved. <laughs> so, so to clarify, Friday the, the, the 20th of May, uh, I'm just going to double check that on my calendar, it's the eve of the Scottish <laughs> Cup final. It is, uh, yep, Friday the 20th of May, even the Scottish Cup final, it is at the, uh, oh, what's what what's it called again? <laughs> <laughs> this is a disaster. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, St. Luke's, St. Luke's. St. Luke's, St. Luke's in Glasgow. Yeah, Glasgow, right. beside the Barrowlands, it is a cracking venue, it's... Um, it should be a great night if uh, you hear from myself, Sean, Telfer, Fowler, Rob, and if you're kind of like, oh, how's that going to go? The folk behind the scenes will make sure it is a rip-roaring success and we'll do our rip-roaring best to make an arse of it. <laughs> aye, aye, we've got some uh, we've got some very talented people at Studio Something that'll be helping us out, so I, I am 100% certain that'll be a, a, a really good night. I know we've done... 
Like we'd done, was it Glasgow College University? We'd done that, a kind of live event a number of years yep. ago now, four or five years ago. Uh, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, I was terrified uh, at the prospect of it. Then we'd done, just at, at the start of the pandemic, or just before the pandemic really got going, uh, we'd done one at the Yotel. Yotel in Edinburgh, yep. Uh, I, I, I kind of, like because we'd done the first one, I, 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 I had the experience of the, of the TV stuff. I, I, I was just really looking forward to that one. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, to this one as well. It sunk in on me uh, probably about 45 minutes ago, or not 45 minutes ago, uh, because we, we started recording 53 minutes ago. It sunk in uh, and probably an hour ago, just before I came on this, that there's going to be potentially 500 people there. <laughs> Considering the last two have probably combined for, I don't know, 150? No, there was... There was uh, there was over a hundred at uh, the Glasgow Cali one. I think there was was there no two hundred at Yotel. Was it as much as that? Aye, no, I think it was. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there was two hundred at Yotel. Oh, it was well over again. It was well over a hundred. Oh, well, 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 don't you don't double in the crowd? Don't you sell a short, Joe? Don't you sell a short? No, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to to a lot of drunken uh, folk just heckling us for <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's that's where I come into my own under pressure. <laughs> Oh, definitely, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, so so to clarify, May the twentieth is a Friday <laughs> night. It's the night before the Scottish Cup final. Just go and view from the terraces Twitter. You'll uh, there'll be a link there to 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 buy tickets from Ticketmaster or C Ticket, wherever wherever you get your tickets from. So yeah, please, uh, would love to see you uh, come along, and might even see you for a pint afterwards. Ah, that'd be good because uh, we've done that again after that event at Yotel. It was it was good to have a drink with everybody afterwards. So really good night. Lovely. Well. Thank you, Sean, and goodbye. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network.